chapter 23, the 23rd Psalm. Many of us have known Psalm 23 by heart since we were kids. It's a place that we've gone to maybe multiple times in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of difficult, difficulty in our lives. I sincerely wish it wasn't tragedy that brought us to Psalm 23 this morning, but by the Good Shepherd's design, it is. It's been a hard week for many of us, and that's why for just a few minutes anyway, I want to set our attention on the profound truths of Psalm 23. wasn't planning to preach Psalm 23 at the beginning of the week. And even when I chose Psalm 23, I thought it would be an easier passage to prepare to preach than it was. Perhaps I was fighting my own familiarity with the words. You see, we need to hear this truth, whether we were affected by Betty Van Wetchel's death or not. We need to hear this truth, and yet there's a danger here. The danger here is that Psalm 23 is so familiar. This psalm pervades American popular culture because many of us know it by heart. Many of us have even heard five sermons on Psalm 23. Because of that fact, we can easily miss its power. We can easily miss its truth. And so I remind you here this morning, even before I read the psalm, that this is not a hallmark card. This is not a sentiment to make you feel better. This is our God. This is His truth. This is His Word. And this is for you. I want to read the psalm together this morning. I'm reading out of the ESV. If you have a copy of the ESV, use your copy. If you don't have a copy of the ESV, please grab the bulletin insert where it is printed there, and let's read together in unison Psalm 23. Together, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. This more than any other psalm is a psalm that has been talked about. It's a psalm that has been written about a lot. So this morning as we come to Psalm 23, I doubt that I'm going to add some brand new, profound truth to this discussion, a discussion that's been going on for thousands of years. If I do, tell me, 
It's probably not good. But it's my prayer, and it's been my prayer this week, that as we spend a few minutes meditating on Psalm 23, on its simple truths, that the Spirit of God would take this living Word and apply it to your heart in a new, in a fresh, in a real way. See, these are truths for us today as much as they were truths for David thousands of years ago. We've once again been confronted this week as a church, as a family, with the frailty of life, with the brokenness of our world. And I'd like to set our hearts on three exhortations, three truths from God's Word this morning. And the first one is simply this. Embrace the Good Shepherd Jesus. Embrace the Good Shepherd Jesus. You see, we we need to start here. Because of all that stuff that I spoke of before we even read Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is like, it's like finding a love letter for some of us. It's like finding a love letter that's not addressed to you. So many people, I fear, have taken this psalm upon their lips in their time of need without any real understanding of who this is for and who is being talked about. This is a very personal psalm. A personal psalm marking an intimate relationship with God. And not just generic God, but the Lord. I am as He revealed Himself to Moses. I am is my shepherd, David is saying. And the Scriptures reveal God to us in a myriad of different ways. We've looked at many of these ways that God has been revealed to us. All accurate and complete descriptions of who He is. This summer in the Psalms, God has been our rock. God has been our shield. God has been our stronghold. For those of you who are here last week, Psalm 50 reminded that God is our judge. But even that picture, even judge, is is a distant picture. It's a relationship that doesn't have to be personal to exist. But oh, a shepherd is different. A shepherd is personal. We likely have romanticized views of shepherding. Just like Ann and I have romanticized views of the frontier. We have romanticized views of the shepherding, shepherding, making it uh, some managerial position that is is all about directing food intake and, and regulating safety standards for the life of the sheep. And yet shepherding wasn't like that. A shepherd is clearly not the sheep. A shepherd is in charge. He's different than the sheep, but a shepherd lives in the trenches. A shepherd gets dirty. A shepherd tends to wounds. A shepherd puts his own life on the line in order to defend his sheep. A shepherd 
gives intimate care. But see, the question for us this morning, the question I want to begin with is, how do we get this intimacy? It's not an intimacy that comes through birthright. It's not an intimacy that comes because you're an American or a Canadian. It's not an intimacy that comes through your striving, through your hard work. No, this intimacy, this relationship comes through the eyes of faith. It comes by simply and gloriously looking to Jesus. That's how the I am is my shepherd. That's how the Lord is my shepherd. That's how we can take this psalm on our lips. And it's the only way that this psalm can ring true in our experience. That's why this psalm meant something to Betty. That's why this psalm means so much more than just a hallmark card to so many of us in this room because of Jesus. John tells us in John 10, as he records Jesus, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I know my own and my own know me just as my father knows me and I know my father. I lay down my life for my sheep. You see, Jesus showed us that shepherding wasn't managerial. The true shepherd dwelt with us. He came to this earth. He endured our frailty. He engaged with our brokenness. And He eventually allowed Himself to be broken Himself. And it's Jesus that makes Psalm 23 sweeter and more precious than it was to even David. And yet I know that there are people in this room that have never embraced Jesus. You want to know. You need to know that you are personally cared for. But without Jesus, this psalm isn't yours. He calls you to come to Him today. To believe on Him by faith. And yet I know I know most of you here, and I know that many of you have embraced Jesus long ago. For you, you simply need to be reminded that He is still by your side. That Jesus is your shepherd. That Jesus has felt the sting of death in the loss of a loved one. That Jesus has given us His Spirit that resides with you. A spirit that brings comfort. A spirit that brings peace. Embrace Him. Embrace Him anew today. Whether Jesus has been embraced for the first time or for the thousandth time this morning, we're all challenged by the second truth of this psalm, and it's simply this. Trust where Jesus leads you. Trust where Jesus leads you. See, this sermon could have been titled A Sheep's Eye View. 
David could have certainly written Psalm 23 from the shepherd's vantage point. He had a lot of experience in being a shepherd, and yet he instead uses a very common metaphor for God's people, a metaphor that's used hundreds of times in the Old Testament. We are sheep. Stupid, needy, dependent creatures. Creatures who need to know not only who they are, but who they can follow. Creatures who don't really know what they need, but need to be shown what they need. And this is really what I want to digest this morning. What I want us to think about this morning. The fact that embracing Jesus necessitates a trust in His leading. Embracing Jesus necessitates a trust in where He leads. David poetically gives us these four areas of of provision that the shepherd gives to his sheep. Let's just walk through them real quick. One, he gives the necessities. He gives the necessities. David wants us to acknowledge that at our most basic level, our most basic needs come from the Lord. I shall not want can be translated, I have all I need. Verse 2 talks about lying down. It talks about green pastures. It talks about still waters. Familiar pictures to all of us. For the sheep, these were fundamental things for their survival. They needed rest from the scorching desert sun. They needed food and nourishment by way of the green grass. They needed water in the quiet streams. And the shepherd provided these things for his sheep. This is not a promise that there never will be seasons of storm. That there never will be seasons of wilderness wandering. But it is a promise that faithful provision will be there for the sheep who look to Jesus as the shepherd. See, God's ancient people, they live this truth. Their whole history is this truth. God intentionally led them out into the wilderness, the Old Testament tells us. And even in the absence of green pastures and flowing streams, what happened? Manna came from heaven. Water flowed from rocks. The shepherd provided for his sheep. But this is more than food. This is more than about basic physical Necessities. You see, for the sheep, these provisions were life. They were renewed life. He restores my life is what the sheep would say. The sheep wouldn't say he restores my soul. Sheeps don't have souls. You see, as we take this picture that David has given to us, there is a restoration of soul that comes to us. Not through physical provision, but through what? Through the richness of God's Word. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus gives refreshment and restoration in the green pastures of His Word. We need to hear our shepherd's voice in our journey. We need to hear His direction. We need to hear His 
correction. We need to hear of his affection for us, his sheep. This week I had the painful task of informing, and I hope she doesn't mind me speaking of her. Forgive me. I had the painful task of informing Gwen that her friend of over 60 years had gone home to be with the Lord. And after telling her the news, when I asked her if she was okay, she replied, I'll be okay. I'm so thankful for his word. Let his promises, let his truth, let his provision restore your soul. Trust him for the necessities of life. He knows what you need. The shepherd also gives direction. This is huge. You see, we're all thankful when we're provided for in the setting that we had hoped for. But remember, God's ancient people, when they were led into the wilderness, they did exactly what we are so prone to do. They grumbled. They forgot to trust. Why? Because this wasn't the path that they wanted to go down. This wasn't the path that they expected to go down. And yet verse 3 says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Again, on a sheep's level, paths of righteousness are simply right paths. The right way to go. For the sheep, this isn't an issue of morality. It's simply an issue of where do I go? We can take that plain understanding of Psalm 23 and of that phrase, and we can take that on our lives. There's no doubt. Do we trust Jesus to lead us in right paths? I think we all expected that we would be saying goodbye to Betty in the next ten years or so. We never really thought about it. We didn't imagine it, but we knew it was coming. And yet I suspect, we all thought, as I thought, that there would be more time. That maybe there would be a a prelude, there would be a, a warning shot across the bow that would signal that we need to spend that time. Or we need to say those words. But this... What, what happened last week? This, surely, God, you didn't intend this. You missed something here. And Psalm 23 reminds us, do we trust Jesus enough to know that He leads us in right paths? Particularly when these are not the paths that we would have chosen. There is another level here to paths of righteousness. There's this ambiguity of meaning between the two words. He leads me in right paths. Yes, He does. But for moral beings with souls that need restoring, it can be translated, as it is in most of your translations, paths of righteousness. And here we're reminded once again of 
of the gospel, of the need to embrace the good shepherd Jesus. For he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God. Righteousness is our path not because of our own righteousness, but because we have a righteousness that is not our own. Trust where Jesus leads you. He knows what you need. Necessities of life, direction in life. The shepherd also gives purpose. Psalm 23 tells us that the shepherd gives purpose. Most of you in this room probably already knew that David, the shepherd, the author of Psalm 23, was reformed. You probably didn't know that he was also a Presbyterian. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Why is all this taking place? For His name's sake. That little phrase that we can so easily overlook in Psalm 23 is actually the remedy to all our man-centeredness. Our provision, our path, our whole journey as sheep is not about us. It's about Him. It's about His glory. It's about His name. Now in His grace, He works for the good of those who love Him. But this, this promise, that promise of good is also coupled with mystery. With the fact that His ways are not our ways. That we don't understand what He's doing. And yet He sees every valley. He knows every turn. He sees the beginning and the end. So will we trust the Good Shepherd? Well, one final provision. And that's comfort. As we come to verse 4 in Psalm 23, we find this shift in language. I don't know if you noticed that. David begins now to talk directly to God rather than simply talking about God. One commentator said this, he said, the crisis of life draw us closer to God. We're more prone to talk about God when we're in the green pasture and more prone to cry out to God when we're in that fearful ravine. In the dark, we hug His knee. In the light, we're prone to wander off in all kinds of directions. See, as David walks through this valley of darkness, he holds a little tighter to his father's leg. No fear, but holding tight. There's comfort in the shepherd's protection. There's comfort and there's no fear in the valley of darkness. Why? Well, three reasons our text tells us. As we said already, he knows the way. His paths are right. He's doing the leading. We can trust Him. And then as any good shepherd would have, He has a rod of defense to ward off the enemy, to protect us against those things that might harm us. So why do we fear man when God is at our side? And then thirdly, He has a staff to correct and to train His unruly sheep Because we may not want to admit it, but part of the protection we need, especially in the valley, is against ourselves. 
And God disciplines those He loves. Jesus, the Good Shepherd, knows the way. His provision is sufficient. His protection is secure. So we can trust Him. One final truth for us to meditate on in these last verses of Psalm 23. So much more could be said, but let me close with this. Embrace the Good Shepherd Jesus. Trust where Jesus leads you. And then finally, rejoice in the shepherd's victory. Rejoice in the shepherd's victory. See, in verse 5, our picture moves indoors to this grand feast that's spread out. The shepherd has become the host. And it's a victory feast. Make no mistake, the captives are there. The subdued enemies sit. And we as honored guests, as those who have in the ancient Near East practice been anointed with oil, our cups are overflowing. It is a time of celebration. Celebration for victory. The point of this picture is to remind us that Jesus, our shepherd who walks with us, who leads us, is also the one who has won for us. The one who has accomplished the victory over sin, over sickness, and yes, over death. And this rejoicing in the shepherd's victory begins in this life. We see it in the first half of the next verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. This is not some follow in in the terms of lagging behind. No, this word is an active pursuit. It is a pursuit. And that's a good thing. God's goodness and His mercy is pursuing us who have a tendency to wander off and not know what we need. We need goodness and mercy to hunt us down. And it's a pursuit that not only walks us through the valley of shadow, not just through the shadow, but through death itself. And so we don't encounter, we who are sheep of Jesus, don't encounter death in the same way. In all its fury, in all its fear, the child of God knows that death is merely a glorious entrance into His presence. Because of the shepherd's victory, there is life on the other side of that valley. And people of God, Betty is there. Her journey is done. The good shepherd that she has embraced for so many years has led her there. And she now enjoys that place that's been prepared for her among the mansions of the Father's house. And so I'm confident as we close this morning that she would want... As the Lord exhorts us this morning, we who still live, that she would want us to embrace the Good Shepherd as she did. To trust Jesus wherever He leads you. And to rejoice that the victory has been won. Amen. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, which is provision to our souls this day. How our souls need to be restored. And your word and your spirit, which carries it forth, does just that. Oh, Father, impress these truths upon our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.